Shelton. It's Daner and Jay. Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Growling Live Room, presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, are in LA working for you. Jay, how is Westwood? I feel like I could be in Anchorage, Alaska. Like I've barely left my hotel room. It doesn't even feel like I'm in LA. Um, but Westwood is beautiful. I did take a ride over to the team hotel yesterday to get some video of them arriving. And, um, it was, it's a, a really, really cool neighborhood going through to get to UCLA. Um, but yeah, I, I've been outside of my hotel room maybe about an hour the entire time I've been in LA. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Westwood looks awesome. I'm looking forward to coming out there tonight. I'm staying down here right now. You'll be joining me in a couple of days at the Media Hotel uh, and that, right down here on Radio Row where I'm currently at. Just got done recording uh, with Robert Mays on our flagship athletic NFL show. We were starting late because Robert and I just kept on going. We went for about 40 minutes. You'll have you'll be able to listen to that uh, tomorrow. We'll also have it uh, on our stream. So if you're a subscriber, you'll you'll see that pop up and you can listen to that conversation. A great conversation with Robert about the Bengals, about roster building, about what this has meant for the city and so much more. Jay, there's so many. I can hardly keep up anymore. We've got this live room. We're recording our regular hear that podcast gone i was on hold that podcast the lsu podcast with our guy brody miller last night with a great conversation about the similarities between what burrow did at lsu to here you know we we've just got jay i can't even keep track anymore it is a lot that but that's what that's what happens when when a team gets to this point where everybody that that covers their own things start jumping in on on the super bowl it is a huge huge event obviously and i I, how is radio row what i've I've not been over there yet obviously um is is it a madhouse no it's not early in the week so it's still calm so you're not getting the whole thing um uh, but, you know, everybody's here. You've got, you know, Pat McAfee show, Fox Sports, uh, all the standard CBS Sports Network is here. James Rapine with Locked On is here. I mean, the real star power is, is James and James and Jake Liskow are here. But, it, you know, everybody's kind of down here hanging out. Anthony Munoz and Michael Munoz just came walking through. I imagine we'll see a steady stream of former Bengals. Actually, I looked to my left. I think that's Boomer Esiason. I mean, you know, it's just, I think you're going to see a steady, I think Domata was making the rounds uh, earlier in the day. I think it's it's going to be just a flashback across all media this week of all the former Bengals that are on all these shows. So it's pretty calm right now, downtown LA, pretty calm to this point. But uh, yeah, I think as everybody starts flooding in the next couple of days, the madhouse will, uh, will kick up. Uh, it's beautiful weather out here. For those of you that are making the trip, you can't really ask for too much more than that. Um, but, um, a lot of, uh, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun scene out here right now. I'm looking forward to diving into it the next couple of days. Heat advisory. That's how nice it is out here right now. <laughs> it's a heat advisory today. It's supposed to be high of 86. They're, they're, I mean, it's nice in LA this time of the year, but even they, uh, I've been watching the news and they're talking about how unusual it is for it to be this hot. And there, there's some concerns that's, uh, it's going to be warm for the game. It's not going to be this warm, but it, it has a chance to be one of the, the warmest Super Bowls in history. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very cool to be out here along with all the athletic people. We walked his early morning walk was great this morning. We walked from the hotel about a mile over here to, uh, to where radio row is and Lindsay Jones, Robert Mays, Jordan Rodriguez covers us for the Rams. So you'll hear a bunch of this week as we do stuff with her uh, and she'll be on all the shows as well. Uh, we're, we're all kind of out here uh, together. So um, a ton of coverage. I, I'm amazed you know, I, I, you always know the staff we have here at The Athletic and how good they are. But every morning I wake up and go through the site and I'm just retweeting all these incredible stories that everybody has written. Stephen Holder uh, has kind of joined our team a little bit this week and covers the Colts. So you're, you're seeing these guys everywhere and the stuff that's coming up on the site. If you're not a subscriber right now, please do. Now is the time to do it because there is so much good Bengals content on the site right now. So make sure you come you come check it out. And uh, anyway, let's go to questions, huh? Are we ready for this? Yeah, let's everybody's do it. Here. Everybody's here, ready to ask a question. If you've got questions, just a request to come up on stage, and we will uh, we will, we will, bring you up. So let's go right now and start at the top, and uh, let's go to Jerry P and bring Jerry P up onto the stage. Jerry P, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Who day? Hey, Jerry. How's it, go- how's it going, Jerry? It's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, first off, after the Bengals win the Super Bowl, I say we have a podcast listener celebration party at Jay's favorite Arby's location. <laughs> Make it happen. Hey, they're all great. I don't have a favorite. Yes, you do. You know you have a hometown Arby's, Jay. <laughs> I do have the hey, Arby's guys. I worked at. <laughs> So two questions. So first, what is your favorite play of the Bengals postseason run? Uh, mine is Trey Henderson's uh, strip sack of Derek Carr. I think that was the play that ignited the fire in this team, propelling them to win against the Raiders and starting starting the playoff run. So I uh, would love to hear your your uh, your thoughts there. And then second, in the playoffs, the Bengals really haven't connected on many deep shots to Chase Higgins and Boyd. I really feel a big play coming in the Super Bowl. Uh, do you think the Bengals are going to be more aggressive here and try to hit a big play with uh, – with Chase Higgins or Boyd, uh, maybe against a corner not named Ramsey. So thanks, guys, so much. Who day? Well, I think if they hit one, it, it might be against a corner named Ramsey. I mean, that's the whole thing is it feels like teams have learned that you can't single cover Jamar Chase, and yet every team has a guy that thinks he can. And, and Jalen Ramsey's at the top of that list with in terms of talent and confidence. I think we we're going to see them singled up, and if – if Joe gets the look he he likes, I I would not be surprised at all to see him take those shots. You you, it's going to be predicated on whether they can slow Aaron Donald down and, and Burrow's not running for his life the entire game. But if they if that protection can hold up, I do think you could see them take a a deep shot um, against Ramsey. And it's I don't know about favorite play, but the the one that stands out is obviously the, the Eli Apple tackle right before halftime in Kansas City. And it wasn't – Eli gets all the credit for that one, but it was what Mike Hilton did in the middle. It, all the They locked up all of Mahomes' other options. He wanted to throw into the end zone for a quick strike, and they would still have time to kick a field goal. And the Bengals took everything away. He had to check it down to Tyreek Hill. And without that play, we're, we're not sitting here talking to you guys right now. You're right, Jay. And, and, and I think for me – I, I think the bench route uh, yeah. that that set up the, the game-winning field goal in Tennessee, it really, I, I'm going to cheat and do the combination of 
the interception and the bench route back to back that like 10 second span where it was just mm-hmm. how quickly the Bengals turned that game into a victory and, and, and flipped their fortunes. I mean, to me, that, that game was, um, that was almost as remarkable uh, as what happened in Kansas city. Uh, just, it was just sort of a combination of so of the way they've gone through this whole run of turnovers, but also, complimentary football offense defense special teams everybody made one big play back to back to back real quick to finish off that win and beating the number one seed on the road and uh, so to me that's probably the one as far as deep shots go i mean it's hard there i i think there you're right i think there will be shots to chase i don't think they're going to be unwilling to challenge james jalen ramsey ramsey has been beat uh, in this playoff run. I mean, it has happened. And I think at a certain point, you're going to give your guy a chance if they're going to leave him one-on-one. If that's what they do, if they go one-on-one and then put help on the other side, Burrow's not going to be afraid to throw at Jalen Ramsey. Maybe he should be. Uh, we'll find out. But uh, I, I do not think fear is going to be uh, a part of that. All right, let's um, let's go and, and keep it rolling. Let's go down and let's go to a Catherine B. Bring Catherine B. up onto the stage here. How you doing? Doing great. How are y'all? Good. Hi, Catherine. Good. Good. Um, so kind of, first of all, a compliment, Paul. That story that you told about Jamar, how he bought his house in Cincinnati yesterday uh, on the Hold That Podcast podcast was <laughs> incredible. Uh, <laughs> sent it to my whole family. Um, number two, though, my biggest concern is not just Aaron Donald but how he puts pressure because he's obviously great at the interior rush. And that was really what gave Joe fits against Tennessee because he can't scramble as well. So how do you see the Bengals kind of contesting that uh, and, and trying to not just give Joe a chance to throw the football, but deal with an interior rush specifically. Uh, Thanks. First of all, Catherine, thank you very much. Um, so if people that didn't hear it or go over to that podcast, um, essentially, I, I've been looking for a spot to write this all year, and I just never could kind of find the right spot. And so what I ended up uh, what ended up happening was I just said, all right, you know what? I'll just tell the story right now because I don't think I'm going to find a spot to write it. And that is when, J- when Jamar Chase moved to Cincinnati – you know, and he discovered that it had big buildings and hills and trains, all the things that my daughter likes about the city. Uh, he, he, he was looking for a place to live. And he, he, of course, said, well, I want to live next to Joe Burrow. So what did he do? He went down to where the street that Joe Burrow lives on. And he went door to door, knocking on every door, offering to buy their house. Because what else do you do if you're rich and you want to live next to your buddy? You just go to people's houses that live in the neighborhood and you offer to buy them. And guess what? He bought one. He ended up, somebody sold him his house. So he lives next to Joe Burrow now on their little street. And they're like one big happy family. But he was just going down and just basically like, hi, I'm Jamar Chase. I have lots of money and uh, I'd like to buy the house. And, and, and eventually he found somebody that he, that he bought it from and now they're their neighbors, which is just – because the question was about Joe and Jamar's relationship and how it's changed. And I'm like, it's just, that's what their relationship is. It's the kind of thing where you just go buy a house next to your friend. Cause that's where you live now. And uh, so that was the story I told on that podcast yesterday. Um, and I forget now what the other question was. Do you remember Jay? <laughs> yeah. About Aaron Donald. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there are many questions about Aaron Donald. I, I would say this. I mean, 
the thing that to me is the difference with Aaron Donald is that it, he's kind of an edge rusher and a interior rusher all in one because when he gets through, he's so good at closing and finishing, and he's just so hard to run away from. And that's the thing that Burrow has been good at doing. How many of those times when Donald breaks through and just owns Akeem Adenogy or Jackson Carmen does it end in a spin out or a shift in the pocket by Burrow? And how many times does it end on him thrown down for a 10 yard loss? That's kind of the question of the game, but Donald's just so good at that. I, there's, there's only so many ways you can scheme on that. You can have the running back and the tight end standing next to Burrow to help pick up if he comes through and keeping an eye on him as a sort of an interior chip. But it's that's why those guys are so valuable because it's really hard to, to scheme around the guy that just comes right up the middle, and especially when he can finish like Donald. And that's why he's the most valuable defensive player in football every year so long as I have a vote. Yeah, and people underestimate how athletic he is. It's not just his strength because it's – Joe, we've talked about this where Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily mind a free runner when he either knows where he's coming or he sees him coming. I don't know that he's we've seen him. He's had great success. He pulled off the Houdini move against Chris Jones. He he is able to kind of escape those and get out of pocket and make plays on the run. But I don't know if you can survive running for your life against Aaron Donald, he is going to track down Joe Burrow. If, if that's the case on a, on a number of occasions. And, and maybe that's a way, maybe that, that tires Aaron Donald out if he's chasing Joe Burrow all over the place. But that, that is obviously not the, the ideal situation for this Bengals offense to, to have Burrow running for his life back there, as opposed to just setting up and, and picking over the defense where he wants to go. Um, I don't, I don't know that, that, that they can, have an effective game plan against Aaron Donald. It's kind of be, it's going to kind of be what it's been all year. It's just the cost of doing business. You, you know, he's going to get home a few times. You just hope you can survive him. You just need up for a certain percentage of plays that the pocket does stay clean and you hit on those. And that's what the Bengals and Burrow have done to this point. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's go into the next uh, question here, and we'll bring uh, Aaron B. up onto the stage. Uh, Aaron, uh, how are you doing? Are you with Hey, me? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Great. Um, so I've got uh, two, two quick questions. Um, one is, did we ever find out why uh, Icky has his uh, giant bee in the bag all the time? Um, and the other one is, how do you guys think Trey Hopkins has done this postseason? Well, so yeah, the, the icky bag thing, I think I have. 
uh, and they were. It was told to me that Icky has it in the bag because he keeps pictures of himself that he gives the people out, uh, and so that's why he has it in the bag. I actually am trying to get Icky right now. I, I he was. I was supposed to talk to him yesterday, but he flaked on me as you might imagine <laughs> uh, almost almost strictly to ask him a, a, to tell me more about the bag uh so at some point i'm hoping to get icky and bring that to you guys directly to confirm that uh, but that's that's um that's what i've heard on on the icky thing yes apparently he, he he does it for autographs i don't know if he just doesn't like posing for pictures with fans and he says here's a here's a picture that's already taken and he signs it but um yeah that that does that would make sense that, that that's really the only thing that makes sense why he would have that be in a bag uh again i forget the second question i'm really a lot happening in front of me right now jay like i'm at radio row there are a million people walking around people can probably hear some of the background noise so my focus level is not as strong as when it's just me and you like sitting at home uh, so people are really getting a, a view into my brain and how how much i follow the shiny object what what was the second question you're still on stage um how, how do you guys think uh, trey hopkins uh, has been playing uh, this playoffs that's right. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, I think, I, th- I think he's been okay. I mean, he, he, he hasn't been the, uh, a, a total liability. He's, he's had his moments. He's held up. All right. I, I, you know, I think really it has been much more you know, specifically right guard. I mean, everybody on the interior has had their issues and I think that plays into each other. Um, I, but I don't think he's been the liability that he was at some portions of the season. I think he's held up a little bit better through this playoff run. Yeah, I mean that that's still going to be a, an area of focus in the off season. But you're right; it's not it, it's not been glaring. I mean, he hasn't been great all year, but it, he's in there for for what he brings as far as knowledge and. and it, it, calling out the protections and he just brings a stability there. Even if he's not an a pro bowl type center, um, they have held up enough in the playoffs and Jeffrey Simmons got the best of them, but Jeffrey Simmons got the, the best of all those interior guys. Um, but it's again, it's Trey Hopkins against Aaron Donald should give a lot of, should keep a lot of Bengal fans up. It, it, it will be keeping uh, Trey Hopkins and every member of the Bengals coaching staff <laughs> at night. I'm sure I can't imagine Think about this, Jay. Knowing you're about to play the biggest game of your life, over a hundred million people will be watching you. You tore your ACL like 13 months ago, and now you have to block Aaron Donald with everyone watching. Like, this is why I'm not meant to be a professional athlete. Amongst like reason number 892. Why I'm not, I don't think I have the mental fortitude to do that, to like be able to handle that, that knowledge of, of what's in front of me, but I'm also really weak. So, (laughs) well, I mean that those guys are wired different. They don't look at it as, Oh no. Uh, what if they look at it as hell? Yeah. Bring it on. I get to show everybody I'm, I'm gonna make a hundred million people know who I am. I, I just think it's, they're wired different and they, they embrace these kind of challenges. Um, I, I do think that there, there has to be some concern level, but I don't, I don't think Trey Hopkins and Hakeem Adeniji and Quentin Spain are going into this game with the same mindset that the Bengals fans are, that this is, 
this is an unwinnable match. No, I think they have a real confidence. I mean, when you look at, and I, you know, we've talked to Quentin Spain a few times this year, and we'll talk to him again later today. He has a really, like, he just has so much confidence in himself as Mr. Undrafted. And he's like, yeah, I search my name all the time on the internet. He's always retweeting <laughs> all his great blocks. Like, they, they, there is a, a bit of that to those guys. Is they don't care what everybody's saying about them. They, they care about, I believe in myself. Joe Burrow makes me believe in myself. And, and we can handle anybody. And people have been doubting us all year, and we still go and win despite of it. And I think that is what kind of part of where it shows up. Uh, two. Uh, let's let's go on to the next one. Let's keep trotting through some of these questions and bring uh, Matt J up onto the stage. Matt, you're up on the stage. How's it going? Good, guys. Uh, I, first, I, I want to send my regards uh, for the heat advisory that you guys are under. I, I really feel bad. <laughs> yeah. as we continue to dodge ice ice piles <laughs> here in Cincinnati. <laughs> Understandable. My, my question is more. My question is more macro level. So would you guys, when, when regardless of what happened Sunday, do you think we'll look back on the 2021 season as the season that saved the Bengals in Cincinnati? Ooh. Um, that's a tough question because what, what, what if, what if this was eight and nine and, and they win, they go to the Super Bowl next year? I, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily do or die this year where if this team didn't have a great year that it was, everybody was going to jump ship. I think if you, you wouldn't have seen this level of, of interest and in bandwagon jumping, but if, if they got to a relevant spot where they were 500, I think, I think you would see you would see great interest this off season going into next year with everybody kind of hoping what happened this year would happen next year. This caught everybody by surprise and I think everybody's loving it and writing it, but there was I, I don't think if this was another four and twelve type year, I, I don't know that people were going to just bail because of Chase, because of Burrow. Um, it might have they might have bailed on Zach Taylor and, and Lou Anarumo and, and the coaching staff, but but I, I don't know that this was a season, an organization saving season um, in, in the city of Cincinnati. There's they, they've done enough to kind of win the fans back, and um, they're this team is just built for the future. So um, kind of a long-winded answer there, but I, I don't necessarily think it was as dire as, as, as maybe your question. I think that Joe Burrow was the player that saved the Bengals, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I think that that's going to, I mean, end up being what it was, is that at some point Burrow was going to break through, and at some point that would do maybe not exactly what we've seen just because of the remarkable nature of what this season has been. But at some point the – rally around the team and this guy was gonna happen it's happened a little earlier it's been a little more intense than than i think anybody in the city thought and that we'd be sitting here right now unbelievably on radio row talking looking at Bengals players going through here and i don't think we saw that but um we knew that eventually he would have this effect that if they won and he led the run it would have this kind of effect and that would save the team um so i think Yes, this was the season that saved them because this was the season Burrow broke through. But I do think that eventually he was going to. And so that pick, that loss to the Miami Dolphins, who were <laughs> supposedly trying to tank in the greatest uh, the greatest loss in Bengals history, uh, was probably 
the day that saved the Bengals, unbelievably. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the next question. Um, oh, by the way, the in the epilogue to that is, will we see the house that Burrow built? What what happens now? That's you talk macro. When that when that uh, when that happens, if they they get two or three years down the line and the runs have been great, and now the talk about the new stadium happens, oh boy, I refuse to go there today, and I hate myself for just mentioning it just now. Uh, all right, let's go next and bring uh, Ben W up onto the stage. Ben, how are you doing? Hey, can you hear me? Yes. yes. All right. Uh, I just can ask. Uh, do you see this uh, having like? Big effects in the uh, league between who wins. Like, uh, if the Rams win, do you see lots and lots of teams just want to go all in? Or if they lose, do you see a lot of owners thinking, I don't want to be holding the bag with no first-round draft picks until 2030 or whatever it is? Or if the Bengals win, do you see uh, more people going uh, more so their approach? It's a good well, question. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I I think – sorry to interrupt, Jay. Uh, no, you're fine. I, I, the one thing I was going to say is I think if there's a, um, a message that owners should be taking out of this, it's that do what you believe in. Like you can't get here in two different ways than these two organizations have done it. One, get yourself a quarterback in by any means necessary. If, if that's mortgaging picks and stuff to get Matt Stafford, do whatever you got to do to make that happen. One. Two, believe in your method. If your method is to go get stars and proven th- proven guys and trades and give up picks, fine. If your method is to go through free agency and spend there and, and you know, to try to get build the draft together and do things with the way the Bengals do differently, fine. It shows that there's no right way. I, I think people want there to be a right way. I think there's some wrong ways, but I don't think that there's any like specifically right way it's whatever you believe in and there's ways to do it as long as you have a quarterback and you're just at this point i think we know you're just not getting here if you don't have a semi-real one you can you can find some lightning in a bottle and work some stuff and the jimmy garoppolo's of the world uh can get you here maybe and maybe you catch a weird heater from joe flacco but like for the most part by any means necessary, get your quarterback and then believe in whatever you're thinking after that. And it is interesting because it it, it may change some minds and it, it kind of piggybacks on Tampa Bay last year. It's you see teams not just in football, but in you know baseball. You see it. I think it works a little more in basketball because of the smaller rosters. But usually in football, when you try this approach to to just go out and collect a ton of talent, it it doesn't. It, it it fails more often than it works, and it started last year. The the Tampa Bay got what Paul said. They got the quarterback and Tom Brady, arguably arguably the greatest of all time. And they they put stars around him, and they won the they won the Super Bowl. But it took them a while. They started slow and then got hot. It, it, if the Rams do it this year, then it's kind of back to back years where that plan has worked, and maybe some teams do take a look at that. And it's 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 there's no guarantee that you put all the talent in one room that you're not going to have egos clashing and, and chemistry just not being there, but it's, you have to be in that position too. You have to feel like you're in position to, to just go all in. You need a good amount of talent already. And 
then you you have that decision. Do you want to mortgage the future? And I just I, I guess it depends on each organization, an organization that's had success in the past and won many Super Bowls. Maybe they don't go that route. But a, a team like the Rams that are looking for they have they only have one and, and they see this window possibly closing soon, then they go for it. It's just 32 teams in the league. There's no there's no blanket template. I will say one template that's emerging and Stephen Holder touched on this today. And if you listen to this podcast, I mean, you. I've heard us talk about this uh, ad nauseum. You know, when people talk about the McVay tree and mm-hmm. what that means and what we're seeing now with the success that Zach has had and that Matt LaFleur has had. Yes, and, and that the Rams have had now being back there a second time with, with McVay and people trying to replicate that. Yes, there's some scheme stuff or whatever, and but it's not that. It, it is the culture it is about younger coaches that understand how to connect and what's important to the next generation of player and having these player driven locker rooms and these, these player rooms and these coaches that are kind of almost intermixed in there and just about trying to create genuine relationships with all these players. It's, it differentiates itself from a, a, diff, a way that a lot of older coaches, not say even there's younger coaches that view it this way, view things and just, and what that can create for a positive working environment and how that works. I think that's been a big part of what happened in green Bay, the success they've had and what's happened in Cincinnati, what's happened in LA, like, and why people are hiring that from under that tree. I, I think that's, that's possible. Maybe even Brandon Staley in, in the charters. We'll see what happens there. But I mean, they, they weren't poor this year. Yes. All those teams had quarterbacks. Yes. There's re- other reasons they succeed, but I think the difference between, you know, the Bengals and, uh, and other teams this year has been the fact that there has been that mix that, that, that special chemistry that has kind of helped them take off. And that's created, that's the culture that came out of the Rams. That's the culture that is came out of midday uh, is that it's that much more than it is the wide zone play action, whatever. Uh, do you need a quarterback? Yes. Do you need to know how to develop them? Yes. Do you want to give them autonomy to do their own thing? Yes. But you have to know how to build a culture around them that gets the most out of them and not one that, their parents of receivers are ripping people on Instagram every week and trades are being requested. I'm not naming any names or teams or anything, but you can't just compile a bunch of talent and have a quarterback and think that it's all going to work out. I don't know. Maybe that's totally wrong, but that's what we've witnessed here. And I think that's a lesson that people maybe across the league should take is to pay a little bit more attention to that. Uh, Let's go through a, a, a few more questions here. And then I see Natasha B is in the room. So that means it's going to be not too long till we get Hawaii. Although I'm not going to be as jealous since I'm here in LA uh, about Natasha, but we'll still give her a chance to show us the ocean or let us hear the ocean. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's go to Daniel W and bring Daniel W up onto the stage here. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, I'm just saying this is surreal to me. It's about 23 of severe uh, years of fandom, I guess, since P-Dub. Um, I have a run past a boot. Burrow for three touchdowns, Donald for two sacks, or Evan McPherson for three field goals. Um, I, I will run with Aaron Donald two sacks. I just I, That feels the most likely. Um, I, I think – 
I know a lot of people are, are hitting the over in this game. I think when you get in these championship games and there's that feeling out stage, and I just I both these defenses I, I think are gonna have a bigger say in this game than the offenses. So I I will go with Evan Mc I'll run with Donald, I'll pass on Evan McPherson three field goals, and I'll boot Joe Burrow three touchdowns. Um, I, I I think the Bengals can score three touchdowns, but but I think you're going to see a, a rushing touchdown or two in there. Um, I, it, it just it, it feels like three touchdowns against this Rams defense would be a lot to ask for. If if they get three touchdowns, if that's what it ends up being, then uh, you guys are going to be partying and celebrating all night long. I mean, is there a scenario where it doesn't involve four Evan McPherson field goals at this point? I mean, are we really, talk about a template? Yeah, I mean, are we really going to say that we don't think that he's going to end up kicking four field goals in this game? I mean, it's happened over and over. I mean, they've had struggles in the red zone. I mean, they've, yeah. they've had struggles getting the ball in there. They've had to kick a lot of field goals. The Rams defense and what it is, I, I think that you're going to see more of those. I, I'm still I'm still running with Don, Don on two sacks. That feels pretty inevitable. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I would. I'm with you. I would. I think you're going to see McPherson field goals, and I would. I'd be on the under in this one. I think I, I definitely think that's that's uh, that's where it ends up. Uh, okay, let's go next. Let's bring uh, Noah H up onto the stage. Uh, Noah, how you doing? I just gotta say I'm, uh, I'm in New England, so this has been the most enjoyable Super Bowl week of my life uh, by by far. Um, weather was standing. I just want to. I guess I'm curious, like having talked to the players and the staff, what was the turning point this season compared to? kind of last season, uh, obviously it was kind of a drag with the injury, but I mean, when, when could you really tell that this team was different? I know we've heard Burrow talk about it a little bit, but just from your perspective, when did you kind of see that, that uh, switch flip and, and think, Hey, we might be around in February. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on the walkout after they beat Baltimore in week seven in Baltimore, where that, that game changed all expectations. And, and you heard Burrow say that uh, when he was mic'd up, where he said, if, if we can win this division, we can win it, the whole thing. Um, it just that felt like the pivotal change, because not just going into to Baltimore and winning, but dominating them and doing it so that they were they had road wins against Pittsburgh and Baltimore before they even got to the halfway point of the season and that put them at five and two and that put them in the number one seed spot in the AFC and it just it felt like that's the that's the game that let you know that this this wasn't going to be the climb year that this was this was they were ready that the playoff window was fully open and they were ready to go through it cannot agree more with you jay i mean that was the moment i mean i that that mic'd up video will never leave me in in the moment we in the moment we said that i mean i i'd have to go back i would love to go back and listen to some of those with a walkout or after that when that came out i remember us talking about man that feels like something when that felt like something big from the quarterback and i don't think there's any doubt that's when you knew it might be different i think though if you want to go further back to the seeds of that, I think when the defense was playing so good in camp and people were like, whoa, look how sticky these corners are. Look at how tenacious this pass rush is. I, I think you started to see, man, this defense might be able to carry them a little bit. And then 
you know, the first couple of weeks of the season where the defense played well against Minnesota and Chicago and Pittsburgh, you, you thought, man, this might be the difference. And, and I just was talking about this with Robert uh, on, on the NFL show. And that was, look, the, the, the normal projected trajectory for this team was to make the playoffs and win a game. We talked a lot about that before the season. The difference between them being here is the last three weeks, two weeks, the defense carried them. The, the, the offense is at the level I think we thought it might be. They still have the line issues. They're super explosive and fun and burrows all those things. But the, but the, the going the next step that we're here right now in Los Angeles, Jay, was that the defense was not just okay, that the defense was really good, that the defense could win you games, and that's why they're here. That's why they are ahead of schedule. As much I think the offense is on schedule uh, to where we thought they would be. The defense is really what's carried them. And so I think early in camp, when you saw how good they looked, and then when you saw what Hendrickson was going to be, what Ogunjobi was going to be, and how good the DBs were, that to me uh, was when you thought, "Hey, this has got this is this is this has got something to it." All right, let's uh, let's go and knock out one more question before we get to Natasha in Hawaii. Uh, so let's go here and bring Scott Y up onto the stage. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can. can. Great. I was just uh, wondered your thoughts on you know Von Miller and Odell Beckham um, are basically playing for the Rams for for next to nothing even though when they started the season, they would have been $30 million players, um, which puts them essentially $30 million over the cap. Do you see that as a trend going forward in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say. You're, you're, you're not going to see the situation. You're not going to see a player of Odell Beckham's caliber just outright released by a team, no matter how many videos his dad post um it's just such a weird situation um i i can see not quite to your point but this team with this quarterback i can see guys coming to cincinnati to play and and taking less money to come here than maybe other places which it used that's that's the the power of joe burrow he has completely flipped that narrative it used to be the Bengals would have to overpay to get guys to come to Cincinnati and play. And, and you can see that kind of flip and not necessarily here. You get other situations with young quarterbacks and they, that team on the rise. And it's just, I think guys understand the business side of things and, and that, that a quarterback, you know, we're not going to talk about this till next off season, but Joe Burrow is going to be one of the, if not the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, you're, you're, you're going to need that. If you want to, if you're going to want to keep adding talent, through free agency, you're going to need guys willing to to maybe come in and, and not not at what the market value is. A little, come play for a little bit less to be a part of something special. But I don't I don't see this being an overall trend just because it it that that was such a unique situation with Odell Beckham. But you know what, Jay? Maybe it is because here's the thing: this is what happens. Like it happens once. And then some player somewhere says, maybe I can do what Beckham did. Maybe I can get out of this crap hole I'm in and end up in the Super Bowl. Maybe I should try to do that, right? Now, do I think it'll happen all the time? 
No, but I don't think it's going to totally disappear. And there's going to be teams, places that are willing to take that on. That, that, that are willing to take a chance and think that maybe that'll be what can work for us. We've got the right culture that can take that guy and, and need a change of scenery. We've talked about on a very much smaller, less impactful level, how the culture here has helped with change of scenery candidates that have come in, whether it's Trey Flowers or any other number of guys. Uh, so I'll say this, you know, I think it could be. And I think we're going to see more and more of teams trying to make moves at the trade deadline. That's just going to be a bigger part of football going forward. Uh, but I, I'm not going to totally, totally rule it out that it doesn't become a trend. I, I think when you look at a team down the Super Bowl, it's, it's very, very possible. Uh, all right. Well, this has been fun. We have time to wrap this up. And the way we wrap up every single live room is the same way. And that means we are off to Hawaii. Here Paul, Natasha, I hear it. I already hear the waves. I'm staring at the waves, Paul. Just the way you like it. <laughs> oh, it sounds it sounds great. See, like, even though even though we're in LA, we're I'm downtown. I'm not even near the ocean, so it's nice to be able to hear the ocean. You are bringing that to me. And my game. <laughs> oh man, well, Natasha, what do you do? You have a question, or are you just gonna, you can just let the ocean play us out for the <laughs> Unfortunately, you have to listen to my questions. Um, so I have two questions because I want to be sure Paul's paying attention. First question <laughs> is, uh, how much do you think it's it's a positive that Brian Callahan coached Matthew Stafford? Because I think the fact that Zach coached Ryan Tannehill made a huge difference in the Titans game. So that's my first question. And my second question, which I hope is formulated enough, is... I'm a longtime Bengal fan in Hawaii, so I don't need to tell you I'm a bit of a unicorn. And I kind of like it that way. I think being a Bengals fan comes with a little bit of pride just because you slog through it. And they're just, they're good now. They're going to be good as long as Joe Burrow is the quarterback. They're pretty cool. And I guess my question is, are they getting too cool and are Bengals fans ready for it? Well, that's a great question because you kind of saw that with the, the the Cubs, with people jumped on board after everybody suffered for so long. I don't know if Bengal fans are ready for for a bunch of outsiders coming in and embracing the team. I think they are. I think the Bengals would the Bengals fans would take anything at this point to win a championship, no matter no matter what negative might come with it. Um, but and now I forgot. Now I'm thinking waves, and I forgot the first part of that question. So maybe Paul remembers. Here's the thing, Jay. I was thinking, I hope Jay remembers because Carson Palmer just walked right in front of me <laughs> and I'm on this thing and couldn't stop him to, to talk to him for a second. And he, and Carson is on his way over to do something right behind me. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it's just what a ridiculous Brian Callahan, thing that's happening. Brian yeah, Brian Callahan. Brian, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I'll, I'll quote a line that Zach always gives us. It's not a disadvantage. Um, I, I do think it, it helps that he has... He, he knows Matthew Stafford's game and he, and he knows what makes him tick working that closely with him. And um, another interesting piece to that is, is Bengals linebacker coach Al Golden actually spent four years with Stafford in Detroit two working alongside of him somewhat as a tight ends coach and then two working against him as the linebackers coach. So they have, they have two guys on staff that know 
Matthew Stafford really well. And I, I do, I don't know if it's going to be a game swinging advantage, but I do think that that will help kind of knowing his, his mindset. It's a completely different offense. It's, it's different weapons. It's all that, but still kind of having an inside look at a, at a quarterback's mind, it, it won't hurt you. I, I totally agree. And I, and I think the, uh, you know, the, the Tannehill thing is a good, is a good example. And, and look, you know them. I mean, you also don't need to have that intimate knowledge to see the mistakes that Stafford will make. Mm-hmm. He will launch it into triple coverage. He will just throw it deep down the field, and you've got to haul that in. I mean, the the you know the, I was had today. Four of his last seven interceptions have come at least thirty nine air yards down the field. We you know this. I mean, you see it. He at some point is just going to let it loose, and you have Jesse Bates back there to try to run the middle and get those picks and make those plays. And you've got to make those and get returns off of those. Don't let those be arm punts. Let those be returns that set you up into good position. You know, get the tip balls. You you can have the knowledge of it, but I think enough of who he has been in this system which has been a lot of boomer bust um, is, is kind of the, what you need the most. And as far as Bengals fans being able to handle it, I don't know, but I do know that we're all going to learn together because this thing ain't going away. Uh, and anytime soon, at least you don't think it is. You never know. You never know when you'll be back. You never know the next time that every Bengal uh, from the last 20 years will be walking through radio row right now. Uh, that's a hot person to talk to. Uh, but it, for right now, um, it sure feels like we'll learn that together. And uh, this team has at least bought them four to five years uh, of Bengals fans not being able to complain anymore when you consider uh, how good this run has been. Uh, all right, Jay, uh, we've got some availability coming up here soon in about an hour with the players. We will have, again, for those that are looking for it, the Athletic NFL Show. I'm on that as with along with Jordan Rodriguez with Robert Mays. That'll be up tomorrow. My version of that will be on here, that podcast growling on the stream there. So if you have that, we will have another live room with Jordan and Lindsey Jones coming up. Uh, I believe that one's on. Is that one on Friday, Jay? (laughs) I think it is. I think think it's four o'clock Pacific on Friday. So it would be seven Eastern. Um, and you can, well, we'll, we'll, you, can, you can get stuff on our athletic plus audio. So make sure uh, you're, you're hooked into that. And so we've got so much stuff on the site. Just keep you subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify, or if you're a subscriber to the athletic, thank you. You'll see it all flowing your way and uh, take it everything. And of course, all our stories are up on the site with all our daily stuff from out here. So, you know, us on Twitter, you're here, you know how it goes. So thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time on hear that podcast. Brown. Have a good one, everybody.